one of the aspects that I thoroughly enjoy in ministry is the opportunities I have to step into the waters of baptism behind me, to stand in that pool with a person who has made a profession and asked Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior of their life. And they're making that profession public. And as I stand there with a new brother or sister in Christ, I get to make this proclamation Upon your profession of faith, I baptize you, my brother or sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, to die in your trespasses and sins, to rise in newness of life. When a person goes through the process of baptism, they are telling the world, I belong to Jesus and not only do I belong to Jesus, but I also belong to Jesus' people. I am part of the family of God. And we get to rejoice with these individuals as they make this statement of faith. But the person who goes through the waters of baptism is also telling the devil that you have no dominion over me. You have no power or control in my life. Because I have given my life, I have given my heart to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what we see portrayed as we go through the waters of baptism. And baptism is this beautiful picture that we see as we read through Romans chapter 6. And I would encourage you to go and take your copy of God's Word and turn to Romans chapter 6 with me this morning. And in your outline, this is the thought that we're going to work through this morning it's through our union with Christ we receive the glorious salvation benefits we have in Christ, and we are brought into communion with the living Christ. It is through baptism we are now in union with him. We receive his glorious salvation, and because of that salvation, we receive specific benefits because we are now a child of God and we are now in communion with a living God. We have died with him and been raised to walk in newness of life. But as we go through baptism and we walk in this new life, there are two questions that we have to work through, two questions that we may wrestle with as we start this journey as a new believer. And the two questions are this, how can I achieve victory over the old nature, the old self, the old man, the flesh, the body of sin? But then the second question that we wrestle with is, how can I live so as to please God? How do we answer these two questions now that we are a child of God now we have made that decision to be a believer. This morning, we're going to work through that first question as we study Romans chapter 6. The second question we will answer as we dive into chapter 7 and 8 over the next few weeks. But as we work through this first question, there are two thoughts that I want you to really grasp this morning and understand. The first one is this. There are truths we must know. As a believer, there are certain things that we have to understand, that we have to comprehend in our walk with Jesus Christ. If you're looking at chapter 6 of the book of Romans, the very first verse 
Paul poses a question to every believer who reads this letter. And look with me in verse 1, and look what he says. What shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? The question that is being asked and the question that Paul is clearly going to reject is this idea that because we are saved, because we've experienced this free grace that comes with salvation, then because we have grace, we can do whatever we want because we have grace. So there's this mindset with some that tell themselves, I can still sin because I have grace. I can still do what I want to do and live a life I want to live because I have grace. If you notice the very first statement in verse 2, Paul says these words, certainly not. Because you have grace, that does not give you a license to continue to sin. It does not give you the right to continue living in the old self and in the old life. And Paul's going to argue this as we read through these verses this morning, that grace does not give us a license to sin. Grace shows us where we've made those mistakes and we, where we won't fall back into them. So as a Christian, as a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, you need to understand your identity in Christ, but also how do we live as a Christian? How do we live as a believer who's united to Christ through asking him to come into your life, but also going through the waters of baptism? So these truths that we're going to unpack this morning are very simple, but sometimes we forget them because, again, we think that because of grace, we can do whatever we want whenever we want. So the first thought is this. Because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross, we died to sin. We died to sin. Look with me at verse 2, and he asks this question. How shall we who die to sin live any longer in it? It's almost a rhetorical question that Paul is asking as we read this passage of Scripture. The phrase to die to sin or died to sin refers to vanquishing a power that has control over us, removing a dominating thing called sin from our lives. We no longer live under the first Adam. We learned that a few weeks ago. The first Adam introduced sin into the world, but the second Adam, who is Christ Jesus, broke the power of sin. So Paul is talking about here about dying to sin, and that takes place when we ask Jesus to be Lord and Savior. We know that it's through God's saving grace that we have new life. We have Christ come into our lives, and we say goodbye to the world of sin because we have been made new. Now, because you are a new creation in Christ, that does not mean that you are not capable of sinning anymore. You are still human. You're still going to make mistakes. You're still going to wrestle with sin. But as a believer, we make this statement, we died to sin. We are telling the world that sin no longer has dominion over me. That's what I'm saying is I call myself a believer in Jesus Christ, that sin does not have dominion. Sin does not have control because I have died to sin when I ask Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. So we no longer live under its dominion. We don't live under its power. Because let's be honest, we don't want to go back to that old way of life. 
I don't want to live the life I lived as a sinner. I want to live a life as a believer in Jesus Christ and going the direction he has me to go. Why would I want to go backwards to continue to go forward? I love what Michael Bird, who is a Bible scholar, he made this statement. He said, for the believer, sin is no longer their status, their state, or their master. Sin no longer has control. You cannot live in sin land anymore because an obituary has been written. It says you are no longer a slave to sin. You have died to sin. So why would you want to stay anywhere where you just got a letter saying, listen, you're no longer in sin land, but you're now living in grace land. Why would I want to leave the grace that God has given me to go back to the sin that I wrestled with, the sin that I struggled with? And Paul is reminding this church in Rome that because of grace, you don't want to go backwards. You want to continue forward. And it's this reminder that we died to sin. But the second thing we see in the scripture is that we have died with Christ in baptism. We have died with Christ in baptism. In verse 3 it says, Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? What Paul is saying here is that baptism and remaining in sin do not mix. They do not go together. It's like trying to mix oil and water. It does not work. If I've been baptized, why do I want to fall back into sin? Because I've made this decision to let Jesus be Lord and Savior of my life. So when you and I are baptized, we are baptized with Christ spiritually. We are baptized into his death and raised through his resurrection. So the person who thinks that grace is a license to sin does not understand what it means to die with Christ. Because if you understood what it means to die with Jesus Christ, you wouldn't want to sin anymore. But because we're human, we wrestle with this. But because we have died with Christ in baptism, we receive a new identity. We have a new identification because we are part of the body of Christ. Tim Keller says it this way, when we believe we are united with Jesus Christ so that whatever is true of him is now legally true of us. And since Christ died and dead people are freed from sin, so we are freed from sin. So as you read that statement, we have died with Christ in baptism. It is just another reminder that sin no longer has dominion or control over the believer. But not only did we die with Christ in baptism, we share in Christ's resurrection. We share in his resurrection. Again, remember what is said when you were dipped into the waters of baptism. You die to trespasses and sins and rise in newness of life. We are part of the resurrection that Jesus experienced physically. We're making that statement spiritually. Paul says in verse 4, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so, we also should walk in newness 
of life. For if we've been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Paul says we've been buried with him. We have shared in Jesus's death. Think about it. Burial speaks of the end of life. When you are buried, you are no more. You're gone. Scripture says we've been buried with Christ. We've been buried in that old life. So that says we don't want to go back to the old way. We don't want to go back to the life we had before Jesus Christ became Lord of our life. So the purpose of burial is resurrection. Because notice the wording here in Scripture. Verse 4, it says about halfway down, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also look at the statement in Scripture. We also should walk in what? In what? In newness of life. We are a new creation because of his resurrection. We've been buried in order to walk in newness of life. Because what God did for Christ and raising him from the dead, he does for the believer. When you and I ask Jesus at conversion to come into our life, he liberates us. He removes the power of sin and gives us new life, a new resurrected life. And it's a life that begins the moment you said yes to Jesus Christ in being your Lord and Savior. The minute you said, Jesus, come into my life, that's conversion. And then that's new life. You go through the waters of baptism to make that a public statement. But the minute you said yes to Jesus, you were part of that newness of life. And you have an assurance that cannot be taken away from you. You have an assurance when you said yes to Jesus Christ that you are his child. You are part of his family of faith. That's what it means when we have died with Christ in baptism but then something else has to take place also because our old selves were crucified with christ our old selves are crucified with christ verses six through seven knowing this that our old man was crucified with him that the body of sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves of sin for he who has died has been freed from sin. Because sin's power has been broken, you and I need to realize this new freedom we have in Christ Jesus. Sin no longer characterizes who we are, but it's a life of freedom that is found in God, a freedom from sin, and it's a freedom of righteousness that is characterized by who Jesus is and what he does for the believer so Paul, as you read verse 7, verse 7 supports what verse 6 just said. Verse 7, he reminds us that those who have died have been freed from sin. So if you died with Christ, you have been relieved from sin's dominion. Sin no longer should have control over you because you are now a child of God. And because of this, because we have died to sin because we have died with Christ in baptism, because we have shared in his resurrection, because the old self has been removed, 
you and I, we also live with Christ. We get to spend eternity with Christ Jesus. Verse 8 says, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Jesus only has to die one time for you to receive salvation. Too many times we keep trying to put Jesus back on the cross and put him back in the tomb so he can come out again. You only have to do it one time. And because he did that one time, you and I can experience eternal life and salvation. But as we read through the verse, it says in verse 9, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. So why should the believer not serve sin? Because we've experienced a resurrected life. We are spiritually alive and now in Christ Jesus. And guess what? Physically, we'll be raised again. Because we're going to experience resurrection. Scripture says that when Jesus comes back, the dead in Christ rise first. So those who have gone ahead of us, if we get to experience and see the resurrection in this form, in this state, we're going to see those loved ones coming back when Jesus comes back. But if we leave this world, guess what? We get to be part of that group. And we get to be part of the resurrection as he comes back to this world. Verse 9, Paul's telling us that the resurrection means we don't die again. Jesus, I said it earlier, doesn't have to die more than one time. He's already triumphed over death. He's already defeated death because Jesus has defeated death. We who are in him also conquer death. Listen, I am not afraid to die. Because I know where I'm spending my eternity. But if I did not know where I was spending my eternity, I would be scared of death. Does that mean I want to die today? No. And I'm not looking to tomorrow either for it to happen. But that doesn't mean I don't walk around with that in my thought. But I'm not scared of it. Because death does not have dominion over me. Because I'm a child of God. Because one day I will leave this world. But I know where I'm spending eternity. Because I live with Christ. Because I know what he's already done for me. What he's already accomplished on the cross for me. So for us who know Jesus as Lord and Savior. This is true for every one of us. We have already experienced what's to come in this new life because we have new life with christ sin should not and could not and sh will not be master over my life listen will it find a foothold and try to pull the old man out yes because i'm human i will still wrestle with sin but because of what jesus christ has done for me i don't allow sin to have dominion over my life and Paul's describing this experience that we get to have when he says in verse 10, and the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. And the life he lives, he lives in God. That is encouragement 
for me. Yes, I know Jesus died on the cross for my sins, but he died so that I can be free from sin. And that's where my hope comes from. That's where my assurance comes from. Paul does not say that we're free to sin. We're freed from sin because it does not have dominion, does not have control because I am in Christ Jesus. So we see these truths in front of you this morning. We learn these truths. So here's the question we have to ask ourselves, and it's simply this. I believe these facts. I believe everything that I've just read about what Jesus has accomplished for me that I have a part of. So if, he's, if I believe these facts, how do I put this work into my daily life? How do I walk in a way that glorifies him? How do I walk in a way that shows the world that I am a Christian, that shows the world that I believe Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of my life? leads to a second action we see in this chapter, and it's simply this. There's an action we must take. Yes, we experience it through Jesus Christ coming into our heart when we say yes to him, but there are some actions that have to take place. There are some things that we have to do to remind ourselves of this walk with him. The first one is this. And I'm throwing out a really old word this morning just because it's in the New King James translation. Reckon ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. In verse 11 of the New King James, it says this, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Some other translations use the word consider. Consider the fact that you have died to sin, but you are made alive in Christ Jesus. That's what this idea means to reckon ourselves dead to sin. Listen, until you and I grasp the idea that our old life is gone, that the old self is no more, that the penalty of sin has been paid and Jesus Christ has resurrected you and I will never have an appropriate view of our own sanctification. We'll never understand what's taken place in our lives. You and I have to understand that everything changed for me and for you as we read verses 2 through 10 of Romans chapter 6. We read through these verses. Everything changed because of what Jesus did. We have died to sin. We have a new desire for righteousness, and we have the power to obey God. The emphasis when Paul says this word reckon or consider, this word is important. It means that one should judge that one is dead to sin but alive to God because this is true. My identity is in Christ Jesus, and that is a fundamental and important fact to comprehend that I'm no longer the old self. I'm no longer the old man that we read about in verse 6 because the old man is gone when I put on this new life in Christ. So if I understand this, this should change everything about my perspective 
about what it means to be a follower of God. And it should cause me to fall more and more in love with Jesus Christ every day. Every day I should be falling more in love with Christ and what he's done for me and what he continues to do for me. And that should give me this deep sense of gratitude, but also should fill us with a hope and an assurance that comes from God because we still live in a fallen world. We live in a world that, if we put it bluntly, is going to hell faster than ever before. We live in a world that tells you to think different, to act different. We live in a world that tells you right now, you are wasting your time this morning listening to me talk about Jesus Christ. Yet God's word tells us of the assurance and the hope we have because what Jesus accomplished on the cross for our sins, because we understand that, because we grasp that fact, that should cause us to be more and more with him every day because I want to live for God's glory. I don't want to live for the glory of a fallen world. I don't want to live for the world to tell me if I'm doing it right or doing it wrong. I want God to set the standard in my life. I want God to have control of my life. So it's a constant reminder to me to put the old man away forever. Don't pull him out of the closet and try him on for size. To let myself understand that ourselves are dead. We are dead to Christ, but we're alive in God because of what he's accomplished. But not only that, we see in these verses that we're to offer ourselves to God. Because we understand this experience, this, this affection for Jesus Christ, we should be offering ourselves to God because we've removed the old man. We've removed the sin from our lives. Look with me in verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under what? Grace. What then? Paul asked another rhetorical question. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under law, but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But God be thanked that through you, though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness. Paul says in verse 19, I'm speaking from human terms because of weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves to uncleanliness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. Paul says that we should not allow sin to reign in our mortal bodies. There should not be a desire to obey evil and its desires because at Calvary, at the cross, 
the reign of sin was ended by death. Because of Jesus' death on the cross, sin has been conquered. And because of that, you and I now have the opportunity to walk in this newness of life because only a holy God can make us holy. And he doesn't do it without our willing involvement. Think about that for a moment. There's a part for God to do, and there's a part for us to do. God offers salvation to every one of us. You and I choose to receive the free gift of salvation. You and I choose to say yes to God or no to God. Everyone as an individual has to make that choice. So Paul says in the scriptures this concept of presenting yourself to him. He says not to present yourselves to the body of sin as you used to, but to present yourselves to God in righteousness that we should not have a reason to let sin have dominion over us because the old man has been crucified with Christ. We are no longer under law, but under grace. But because we're under grace, that doesn't mean we get to still sin. It means we've been freed from that old self. We've been freed from the path we were on and we have been free to walk in this newness of life. But as we continue through the scriptures, we continue through this. Think about this for just a moment. We are no longer a slave to sin. We're no longer under its dominion. So here's a question for you to wrestle with this morning. What kind of fruit are you producing? Because look at verses 20 through 23, because remember, there are, there's a superior benefit of serving God. There's a benefit to serving God. Verse 20, it says this, For you were slaves of sin, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves to God, you have fruit to holiness in the end everlasting life. Paul said, remember your old life when you were under sin? What fruit were you producing as a sinner that you were ashamed of? Think about that fruit you produced when you were a sinner. Let's be honest. Would you want to go back to that fruit? No. Nobody wants to go back to where they've been. Paul says you don't want to go back to what you used to do. So when he says there in that verse, verse 21, what fruit did you have then in the things which you are now ashamed? For in the end of those things is death. But verse 22, but now because you've been set free, you're producing a different kind of fruit. You're producing a fruit that is leading to holiness. You're producing a fruit that shows you are a child of God. So what fruit are you producing? Are you trying to go back to the old fruit? Or are you producing new fruit because you are a child of God? We have unpacked a whole lot this morning. But I want to show you the climax to this section of Scripture the climax to this section of scripture is when we get to verse 23. 
because verse 23 simply says, the wages of sin is death. But, but, best word in scripture, B-U-T, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Listen very carefully. Eternal life is not deserved. Eternal life is not even earned. You don't earn eternal life. You make a decision. You make a choice. And notice the contrast we see here in verse 23 as we wrap up our time this morning. Listen, you're going to serve two masters. You're either going to serve sin or you're going to serve God. Those are your choices. There's no in-between. Either I'm going to serve sin and let sin have control of my life, or I'm going to serve God and let him have control of my life. So there are two masters that we wrestle with. But not only there are two masters, there are two methods. Because Scripture says the wages of sin is death. The cost of sin is death. But the free gift of God, that free gift of God leads to something so much better because it gives us two aftermaths. There's two endings. The wages of sin leads to death. If I stay in my sin, if I never ask Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior of my life, I'm going to die a sinner and spend eternity in hell. But if I say yes to God and I accept that free gift of salvation, I'm going to spend eternity with him. And notice something here in this verse. Notice what it says again. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in. The only way I experience eternal life, the only way you can experience eternal life this morning is found in a person, and that person is Jesus Christ, our Lord. That is the only way you will experience salvation. That's the only way you will have assurance of everlasting life is letting Jesus be Lord and Savior of your life. Every head bowed and every eye closed. This morning we have unpacked a lot. But there are truths you have to understand and know. And these truths are important because these truths change everything. We have to understand this morning that we have died to sin that we've died with Christ in baptism, that we share in Christ's resurrection, that our old selves were crucified with Christ and we live with Jesus. We have to understand these truths because grace is not a license to sin. Grace is the reminder of what's been accomplished for us already on the cross because of what Jesus did for us. We understand those truths to get to these actions that we just listed. But then Paul gets to verse 23. This morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, who are you serving this morning? Are you serving the master known as sin? Or are you serving the master known as God the Father? Because if you choose to serve sin, we know what that cost is and we know what the payment is. But if you choose to serve God, 
and you choose to receive that free gift of salvation, you will have everlasting life because of what Jesus accomplished. This morning, it's about choices. This morning, it's about rising to walk in newness of life. There are some here this morning that need to make a decision as to who you're going to serve. Are you going to serve sin? Or are you going to serve the Father? Because only you can answer that choice. Father, as we move into a time of response, we move into a time of invitation, my prayer is simply that you would move in a mighty way and that your will would be done. That, Father, you would speak to the hearts of individuals who are here this morning. Father, I'd ask you to speak to the heart, to the individual who's wrestling with sin. Father, to the person who doesn't know you, doesn't have a relationship with you. But I also pray that you would speak to the believer this morning who keeps trying to put back on the old self, tries to put back on the old man, and is not living in the glory of what's already taken place in their life when they ask you to be Lord of their life. So this morning, as we stand and sing in just a few moments, Father, move in a mighty way. Father, move in such a way that we know it's you doing the prompting that you are doing the leading. And Father, as we come to this moment, may we block out the distractions, we block out the noise, and allow you to speak to us as individuals. We give this time to you right now. We pray this in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. Let's all stand.